The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson joins us on this Monday from Corn Belt Marketing. And and I think you had the best statement, Sam, before we even started the final bell was, you know, yeah, beans are down. They're down a lot. But you got to see what tomorrow brings because there's so many outside market influences and other crop influences and byproducts of soybeans that are affecting the trade today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw that uh, on Friday that funds were along a pretty good amount, and really soybean numbers were within uh, reason as far as compared to the estimates. Corn maybe a little higher than what the trade was anticipating, but you know we, we've seen the meal market drive this market, uh, drive the bean market really over the last uh, two to three months. And with the meal down pretty hard today, some of those spreads are correcting uh, between the meal and the oil. It's hard to keep beans higher. Plus, you just have this lingering worry uh, all over again about the U.S.-China trade tensions. And so when you got funds along that much, you start taking out some technical support areas, and sometimes the weakness begets weakness in some of those situations. It seems like decent odds that maybe we could settle low for the week early in the week because we do have a crop report on Thursday. Uh, so it wouldn't be uh, you know out of the wrong possibility. Maybe see a little bit of a turnaround Tuesday, consolidate, and then see what those numbers say on Thursday. Guys like to hear turnaround Tuesday because it usually means something positive is happening within this market, especially when we've been like we have been. Yeah, and I wouldn't expect anything to get you know, too cranked up. I and mean, we've been kind of stuck in a range on these beans anyways, and I think that's noteworthy because the longer you stay in there, sometimes when you finally do break out, you can you know, start get to get a little bit of a guess on you know, some of the extensions and how far you could go from a pricing standpoint. But I think just in general, it wouldn't be too, uh, too difficult to see you know, the bean market stay sideways to lower, maybe even in mid-June, uh, under the expectation that Brazil is going to start shipping more beans than we are for the short term. Uh, and it's going to really be until you get into you know, early, mid-July before you can really threaten a, a bean crop from a weather standpoint. We haven't heard a lot coming out of South America in regards to where they are in this bean harvest. And they should be wrapping up with most of that. I mean, uh, the, the lion's share that's going to be done, and, and really, if anything, has been catching more attention here of late. It's been the safrina corn with some dry conditions in southern Brazil, and there are some increased uh, chances for rainfall here uh, over the next seven to ten days. But you know, the coverage and amounts are going to be watched very closely. And if you still look at the long-term outlook from most people, it's still kind of on the dry bias there. And the last time, every time we seem to see a situation like that play out, I don't know if it's necessarily a make or break for the corn market uh, specifically, but it. It is a factor that could continue to drive business towards the U.S. after what's happened in Argentina already, uh, despite what we've seen in the currency situation. Well, talking about that currency, obviously the stronger dollar and the cheaper real has caused for some, maybe some excitement when it comes to sales and export opportunities. Yeah, and, and like I said, I think that could be affecting the corn and bean markets differently. Uh, you know, on the corn side of things, whether they, whether the currency goes up or down, and which one you're looking at, uh, at the end of the day, we're still the biggest supplier of corn, and probably going to be in the driver's seat from an export standpoint because of those crop problems we saw in Argentina, and now the, the way we could threaten the Brazilian crop. But on the bean side of things, uh, again, with all the supplies they have down there, they're coming off a huge crop. Uh, you know, from a cash flow standpoint, and just logistical standpoint, it's going to be time for those beans to start moving out of. The 
the country and them to be you know supplying more of china's beans and maybe even beans to argentina uh as tight as their meal situation got got down there so uh, does that strength and weakness or strength in the dollar weakness in the brazilian route continue i don't know but if you keep on that trend not only does it help, uh hurt us from a short term on exports uh for beans but it also could encourage acreage expansion in south america into 2019 for both those crops and we've heard so much talk too about i mean obviously they utilize that that crop as a, as a bank asset for them versus putting money in the bank do you think they might hold on to it though in anticipation of maybe some bigger money to come their way Absolutely. I mean, we see that every year. There's a, a very low level of trust from a political and economical standpoint down there. And I think we'll continue to see that factor play out. But at the end of the day, you know, they're not going to hold 100% of, of their inventories uh, in that regard. So I think at, at some point, those, uh, again, those supplies should still be hitting the market to a certain extent. And if we cheapen up our beans enough, whether that's 950 or 970 pricing uh, here this summer, uh, maybe we come back into play again. And of course, we still got to grow ours too. And, it, and it's just now getting out of the ground. It, if planted at all. Well, you know, we're going to have a lot of uh, numbers coming out later this afternoon with, with the weekly uh, crop progress report. And then a big report coming out on Thursday as well. You looking for any excitement at all in those numbers? You know, the crop report Thursday, I can't look for a whole lot there. I mean, like I said, it, corn demand has been good. Uh, our export inspections are keeping up. In fact, uh, today's export inspections on the corn, I believe, was the second largest uh, for this marketing year so far at 75.4 million bushels and well above the weekly average that we need to hit the USDA's target. So I think we're going to you know, see at least steady demand in the corn, if not maybe even some slight ratcheting up, but not in a big way. For the beans, it's kind of the opposite situation. you still got bean inspections that are running about 11% behind the typical seasonal pace for this time frame. Uh, but different than corn uh, on, on the bean side of things is how quickly the beans can catch up. You know, if we just have three weeks or so of, you know, where we inspect, uh, you know, 30 or 40 million bushels where the beans, we can catch up to that number pretty quick compared to corn. Uh, you know, it's rare, if not impossible, to see something over 100 million bushels in one week. So something to keep in mind there for the longer term uh, from a USDA report standpoint. Um, but planning progress today, you know, I think you'll see, you know, the guess is probably going to be between 35 and 45 percent. I would tend to err on the, the lower side on that for corn because I think in a lot of these areas last week when we had a lot of field work taking place, the first day or two of that may not have been on planter running. It may have been anhydrous getting put on or some spraying uh, or, or just tillage work in general. If you look at northern Iowa, southern Minnesota into Wisconsin, there's still a pretty large swath in there that got good rains last week and are looking to get more over the next week to 10 days. And, you know, a couple weeks from now, it'll be interesting to see where some of these areas lie from a, a planning progress standpoint. But outside of that, uh, definitely a good amount of work getting done. Heck, they just had ice out on the lakes up there. So planting <laughs> We're not far from it, are we? So, real, real quick before we head to break, I want to know how are things looking out your guys's window where you're at? Are we are we seeing some decent progress? Oh my good, yeah. Central Illinois here, I mean, it was ground zero as far as crop progress is concerned. Um, if you're not done with corn around here, it means you had a breakdown. Uh, and I think a lot of guys are probably going to finish up with the bean crop as well before rains move into midweek. So this was, you know, we got lucky from a standpoint of being dry um, when the temperatures finally warmed up. But at this point, uh, even though we got about uh, anywhere from a quarter to an inch of rain in this area last week, we're going to need another rain here uh, soon enough. And we don't need huge amounts, but uh, that north northeast Missouri into west central Illinois Coming up, it's a Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson's joining us with Corn Belt Marketing. Before we jump into the livestock, looking a little bit more at this grain side of the trade. And, and yes, the wheat tour of last week gave us some pictures, gave us more concrete information. But it, just like you said, really not a lot of surprise 
in what they saw out in no, the country. No, and, and I don't know, you know, it mentioned before we went on here, uh, regardless of what number they put out for production in Kansas, it's interesting to see that because I think it was pegged at like the lowest number since 1989 or something as a state. But at the end of the day, whether it was just above there or just below there, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, there's enough wheat worldwide. And the real hinge point is going to be if we have a problem in the Black Sea or Australia, particularly in the Black Sea region, which it is drying out, we need to keep a very close eye on that. Um, but to just to put it in perspective, the U.S. wheat right now is priced probably about a dollar a bushel higher than where the Black Sea is. So you have to have their prices go up enough to make us competitive again to where we actually start shipping this billion bushel wheat carry out. Otherwise, to sustain a price rally is going to be really difficult. And I think we're seeing this play out now where last week we chased a lot of the wheat, uh, wheat shorts in Chicago out of the market. You got the Kansas City players long and maybe the market got out of front of its heels a little bit and now we're kind of seeing a downdraft again. If we start to see weather concerns, you could easily come back in here and cover those shorts one more time. So I think it's going to be hard to get that strength to stick uh, unless you have, again, a, a real significant supply problem over there. And this is something that could play out over the course of 18 months. And keep in mind what this could look like too long term from a corn and soybean standpoint, where if we have to rob 5 million acres to plant 5 million acres more of wheat because wheat's above 5 $6 a bushel and farmers want to plant it again, where's that acreage going to come from? And that's going to be a long-term supportive tone uh, just for the grain world green uh, complex in general if that took place you know we do have so many outside market influences is there some nervousness though with, with all this export because of all this trade discussion and and continued work that is going on behind scenes hopefully we see nafta before the end of the month china seems like a long way off yeah, and you know, uncertainty breeds fear. Regardless of what we're talking about, whether it's markets or anything else, and you know, in an environment with fear, I mean, selling is always the first thing to win out, and that's going to be the path of least resistance. And you know, we've seen some bullish information here uh, this spring, and a part of it being just a weather delay in general here for the you know when you talk about corn and beans and planting and stuff like that. But what fresh news have we had to really feed the bull here over the last week or so? Uh, it's good to see the inspections numbers, but that's more of a mundane week to week type of thing. And you're going to have to kind of shake these this tree and get the longs out, uh, the week longs out before we can, you know, be optimistic again. And again, I think you're going into this 30 to 45 day low. There's not a lot to talk about. Crops are in the ground. Um, unless we go through a significant delay, uh, you can't screw a crop up until it's out of the ground. So uh, as we get into mid-June, late June, that may provide another buying opportunity here in the weeks ahead. And we'll just have to see you. But at the end of the day, fundamentals for corn, uh, it's it's somewhat supportive. It's hard to be really bearish right now. I think the only risk for the corn market uh, longer term into uh, middle of summer is going to be if we find out our acreage is actually 90 million instead of 88. Head over to the livestock side of the trade, Sam. And I know that the cattle trade has had some issues, um, some losses that were taking place in the trade today. But it sounds like activity is just on the doldrums, a very slow side compared to what we're used to. It is. And if you look at the charts here over the last couple of weeks, it just seems to be range-bound and content. Um, I still think that market's trying to base a little bit when you look at live cattle and feeder cattle. Uh, similar thing there is, you know, when their funds are holding, outside money's holding so much length, it was bound to get kind of washed out. And there mid-late March where we had some of that Chinese fear, you wonder if you flushed, all, you know, a lot of that selling that needed to take place out of the market. And I guess, uh, you know, live cattle, and really you can make the same case for hogs that we've got a lot of good demand, I guess, data to go over, uh, but the supply
supply is, is stay, keeping pace with that at the least and maybe following a little bit in the live cattle compared to the hogs on that regard. Um, but typically when you get into markets like that, heavy supply, heavy demand, it supports the idea of a range-bound market. And I think June hogs, you know, on the low extreme side of things at 65 and the high end at 80 is probably something, you know, that's relatively easy to expect. And for June cattle, maybe, uh, you know, 100 to 115 is about all we can do here as we go into summer because I, I just don't know. You're going to get into a warmer period here where you're going to see demand uh, or beef and, and pork exports were huge for the month of March. In fact, uh, hog exports for March, I think, were a record large. And uh, for the live cattle, one of the largest months ever. But, again, that supply is also kind of trailing behind here, and I just don't look for any major extremes in, the, in those markets. Are we going to see the cash pick up, or is it going to be a quieter week? Um, I think short term uh, for the for the cattle side of things, I think you can maybe have a one week lull in here and then maybe perk things up a little bit as we go into uh, next week and get into the last half of May. Then moving forward after that, you know, it's going to be dependent upon potentially what comes out of some of these trade deals. Um, you know, we've talked about how that can affect things on the soybean side of things. Well, the meat complex is no different uh, from money flow standpoint. Again, there's that fear based standpoint. Will it be a long term sticking situation i tend to believe no uh it's a world market i think we've seen that play out here a couple times already this year it's just a matter of how it gets done and what time frame thoughts on hogs they've had a lot of pressure as well lately yeah and i think that market actually you know i'm still optimistic we can get a test of 80 bucks in the june hogs there um again we talked about production keeping up as as a percentage of that demand best way for folks to reach you sam 1-800-655-3380 or you can go to cornbeltmarketing.com Thanks so much. Sam Hudson joining us. He is with Corn Belt Marketing. You can, of course, find out more information about the Fontenelle Final Bell by going to our website. It is podcasted every day after 3 o'clock at krvn.com, ruralradio.com. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.